0: Hey, finance folk. Russia started its unprovoked war against Ukraine in 2014 and committed a massive escalation in February of 2022. Since then, the EU and its allies have steadily increased sanctions leveled against the Russian regime that continues to target, terrorize, and murder Ukrainian civilians. Let's be clear. Notwithstanding a concerted Russian propaganda effort to convince people that sanctions don't work, they are indeed working. If they didn't, why would Russia spend so much effort on a massive disinformation campaign against them? As the old saying goes, never believe anything the Kremlin says until they deny it. Back in December of 2022, the European Commission decided to create a new role of international special envoy for the implementation of EU sanctions to ensure continuous high level discussions with third countries to avoid the evasion or even the circumvention of the unprecedented sanctions that have been imposed on Russia since the start of its war against Ukraine. David O'Sullivan, a former Secretary General of the Commission and senior EU diplomat, was appointed as sanctions envoy. Mr. O'Sullivan has agreed to come to the podcast today to tell us about what he's been up to, how it's going, and what we should expect in the future. Greetings, David. Thanks for coming to the podcast. My
1: pleasure, great to be here.
0: Well, um, I have to admit that this is one of my favorite subjects because uh, in my day job outside the podcast, I am uh, one of the people that prepares your briefings for sanctions. Um, So this is a subject that I really, really enjoy, and I I hope um, that I'm able to put that across to our audience as well. So let's jump right into it. What is your role? as the EU sanctions envoy?
1: Well, as you say, uh, Russia's unprovoked, full-scale invasion of of Ukraine uh, last February came as a deep shock uh, across uh, all of Europe, indeed all the the globe. And we have put in place... really an unprecedented set of sanctions over the last 12 months through 10 packages on on the European side. Uh, And uh, 12 months on, I think people felt it was needed to focus on the implementation and the enforcement of these sanctions to make sure that they were having the desired effect. So I was asked to come on board and in particular to do the outreach to third countries where we think there might be a risk of sanctions evasion or circumvention through unusual trade patterns. So my job is to identify, those situations and to reach out to the countries concerned to see what we can do to stop this.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, so what are the main priority third countries that, that that we're talking about here? Well,
1: it's very simple, really. We use a, a relatively simple but fairly crude me- index of where there might be problems. We look at the uh, products which we previously exported in large numbers to Russia which we are now exporting in unusually large numbers to third countries where previously we didn't export them and where the exports of those same products from those countries to Russia is increasing. And that generates a list of countries where potentially there's a problem. It does not in and of itself that there is circumvention, but it's prima facie evidence that there's something to be looked at more closely. And that's where we start with the list.
0: Ah, okay. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically, if we look at the trade flows that were before sanctions, before the war, and let's say it was you know X amount of luxury cars that were being exported um, to country Z, and now during uh, the war of Russia's aggression, it's uh, X times 100 or whatever, whatever that might be, that it's an unusual blip.
1: Yes, um, it's, it's a spike of exports of products to countries where previously we didn't export in large numbers and equally re-export of the same products from those countries to Russia, which, as I say, prima facie would lead you to think that maybe there was circumvention and that this was a, a, a new way of getting the goods to Russia since they couldn't be exported directly from Europe.
0: Yeah, so as usual the EU is is using numbers cuz the EU is super good at math. I keep telling people this. And so that is where we start with. We look at at the numbers and then and then um we 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 delve in and we try to do what we can. So my next question is, have you already visited those countries where yes, we have? Yes,
1: I I've already had quite a heavy travel schedule. Uh, I've been to the United Arab Emirates, to um Turkey, to uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, uh, uh, Serbia, and I was just recently in Armenia last week, and I will be going to Georgia at, at the end of this month.
0: Wow, that sounds like a quite quite the uh, itinerary. And how are you received when when you when you show up in these countries?
1: Well, look, it, it, the context is is always different, of course. I mean, two of those countries, Serbia and Turkey, are candidate for mm-hmm. accession to the European Union, so there is actually potentially an obligation on them to align with our sanctions. So obviously, there, the context there is different than in, say, the countries of Central Asia or the Caucasus, who are under no such obligation and who indeed have very close relations with Russia, mm-hmm. and who have to balance uh, anything they 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 work with us on with uh, their their close relations with Russia. But I would say the general response is is very positive in the sense that. These countries say, we don't want to align with your sanctions. We don't want to apply your sanctions because that's your business and we have our own views about this, but we don't want our jurisdictions to be a platform for circumvention. We don't want our country to be used for circumvention, and that's where... That's the starting point for the conversation is taking them at face value on that statement
0: mm-hmm. well in in the in the Western financial press that I've been reading not just financial press but just international news and also in Russian press um, I've read uh, quite a few stories that it seems that you've been having quite the success that they're uh, including um, in in some of the stands that already they have taken steps to curtail um, certain exports that have been coming from the EU, through them to Russia.
1: Yes, uh, we have with our G7 partners, and we work very closely with the United States, with the UK, with with Japan in particular, uh, but all the the G7 partners. Uh, we we have drawn up a list of priority products which we're concerned about, which are battlefield products. These are goods which could end up in in Russia, military equipment, and make their their missiles or their drones more lethal and more dangerous and kill more Ukrainians. And this is the First pitch I make to these countries is to say you don't want to be involved in the re-export of these goods, which are part of the, the Russian war machine. And I must say, by identifying those that subset of sanctioned products, we have had uh, quite an enthusiastic response from most of these countries, who say, indeed, we don't, we're not taking sides in this conflict, but we don't want to be a party to fueling uh, the, the 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 Russian war machine.
0: Understood. Um, you mentioned um, our allies, the 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 U.S., the G7 um how is cooperation with them happening is it i mean it seems as though it's pretty smooth uh, is is there is it as smooth as it looks from the outside yes,
1: it absolutely is i mean we have coordinated the the putting in place of the sanctions so with our successive waves of sanctions we have each tried to replicate what the others are doing so we have a sort of seamless uh, sanctions list across the, the the full alliance, and when it comes now to avoiding circumvention, uh, I have uh, equivalent interlocutors uh, in the US, in the UK, uh, and we, we we exchange notes. Uh, we we make sure that we we debrief. We, we've done some joint visits. Uh, where I, I went to the UAE with uh, the US and the UK. They will also join me when I go to Georgia mm-hmm. next month. Uh, and sometimes we we travel separately, but we always make sure that we we have the same message and we report back to each other on uh, the progress we have been able to make. Got it.
0: I mean, I think you kind of answered this question already, but I I think I I want just like a a straight, very straight answer. Do you consider your outreach successful so far?
1: Look, um, I think we have to be honest. Where there are sanctions, there will be circumvention. So, you know, we should not be under the illusion that we will eliminate it completely. Uh, I consider it successful if we mitigate it, if we reduce it, if we make it more difficult for the people trying to circumvent. And I think there we are having some success. But I also think that we need to understand this as part of a dialogue with these third countries. These sanctions are going to be with us for a long time. Even if you to assume, which I don't think we can, uh, an early cessation of the hostilities, there are so many issues which will need to be resolved after the conflict. Uh, reparations, uh, war crimes, uh, the the cost of rebuilding Ukraine, that sanctions are going to be there for a long time. So what I say to these countries is we need to have a dialogue and a a conversation ongoing, which enables us to make sure that this sanctions issue doesn't become an obstacle to the development of our bilateral relations. And we have a good bilateral positive agenda with each of these countries. Mm -hmm. And that's... So the... We have had some successes. I'm very grateful for the cooperation we've seen so far, but this will be uh, an ongoing matter. Uh, and we, you know there will be new issues which will arise. There'll be new products that we'll be concerned about. So I think the importance is the quality of the dialogue and the mutual understanding, the mutual respect They respect the fact that this is an existential issue for us, and these sanctions are a vital means of responding to Russia's aggression. We respect the fact that they don't wish to apply our sanctions, but that they don't either wish to be uh, manipulated and used as an instrument of circumvention.
0: That's very enlightening. And I'd like to thank you very, very much for dropping by the podcast and um, giving us this uh, explanation about uh, what your work is all about and uh, the successes that uh, you've had in uh, talking Talking with our neighbors about circumvention. So thank you very
1: much. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure.
0: Okay, here's my takeaway from talking with David O'Sullivan. The sanctions will remain in place for a long time. Even after Ukraine wins the war and expels the Russian invaders from its territory, a whole range of other issues will have to be discussed with Russia before we can see any significant lifting of the sanctions. Don't get me started about war crimes, but obviously all of that is going to have to be discussed and people will have to be brought to justice. In the meantime, one of the things the EU has to concentrate on is preventing circumvention of sanctions. Unscrupulous businesses, those willing to put profit over peace, money over innocent lives, look for ways to get around sanctions, to circumvent them. The EU sanctions envoy is out there every day talking with third countries that can help prevent that. It looks like he's making significant progress and EU sanctions are getting even more and more effective. Thanks for joining me today. As always, please spread the word about the podcast. Like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Until next time, bye.